This podcast is recorded on the lands of the Ngunnawal people and the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past, present and emerging and acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded and that Australia has never come to terms with what was done to Indigenous people in this country following European colonisation. Well may we say God save the Queen because nothing will save the Governor-General. You know I've searched my heart to prove There's better ways to push and pull Hey, whatever gets you through these days Hello and welcome to Well May We Say, a progressive podcast about Australian politics. This is episode 116 for Friday, 17th of January 2020. I'm Jeremy Sear, and each week I'll be joined by a different guest host to help me discuss what's just been happening to the country, what's likely to happen, and hopefully what we can do about it. Tonight's guest host is returning guest host, columnist with Guardian Australia, Greg Jericho. Welcome back, Greg. Hi, Jeremy. Good to be back. It's been a while. I believe that you were last on in May 2017, briefly before my two daughters were just born, like in the week. Well, the good thing is nothing's happened since then. It's all been pretty quiet. (laughs) <laughs> they, look, they're walking and talking and, and uh, small people now. So in, in the intervening time, uh, but other, in terms of politics, no, everything's been fine. I don't yeah, remember anything yeah. going wrong since 2017. Hardly anything's happened. Now, I, want, I particularly wanted to have you on this week to have a chat. I mean, you are always an interesting guest to have on about all manner of things. And usually I'd want to get you on to have a chat about economic stuff and how the country is basically how they're fudging us and uh, screwing us all. And you're usually a very good guest to discuss those things. But this week, I actually wanted to have a discussion with you about an analysis that you did in The Guardian that uh, was making the point of how now that the full-on denial that climate change is to do with the horrific uh, natural disasters that Australia has now been facing, and now that full-on denial is harder, they haven't fully dropped it, but it's harder to do, they've got a pivot. And they've done a pivot, and the pivot, surprisingly, is one that also doesn't require us to stop burning fossil fuels. Weird! Uh, Greg, you made, you made this point, and it's, it's chillingly accurate, and it's something I think everybody needs to be very, very alert to straight away. Yeah, it's, I think actually, which given the past 30 years, I think we've actually entered a, a really dangerous phase of the whole climate change debate and uh, the period of climate change uh, action. What we're seeing uh, happening by the Liberal Party and also incredibly being uh, echoed almost as though it's an orchestrated campaign by the uh, News Corp media. <laughs> Funny, that. Um, is is a real shift, and, and it's a subtle shift, but I think a really sinister and dangerous one in that move from saying that, oh, climate change isn't that big of a deal or we're doing all we can on climate change and, you know, there's more important things to worry about too saying that, oh, climate change is a bit of a deal, but what we need to do is adapt to climate change. And why this is, I think, dangerous is because inherently it's um, giving up, but it's also trying to sell to the public that nothing can be done to combat climate change and that really for a political party to be seen to be acting on climate change, what they need to be doing is various adaptation measures, which at the moment seem to consist purely of building more dams, 
clearing land and just being sort of more proactive about uh, dealing with bushfires, which... Hey, hey, they can't... The, the forests can't burn down if we concrete them. <laughs> exactly. And in the... It's, it's a... It's the reason why I think it's it's a dangerous shift is because it's, it is trying to move us from saying what dealing with climate change actually means. In, in the past, it had always been we're going to have to do something about emissions. And the whole fight was the Liberal Party and others saying we're... We're being responsible on this. Our plan to cut emissions is, you know, um, economically viable and blah, 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 blah. What even and is it? Like, what he keeps saying the hitting there. It's always fudging. Oh, yeah, I mean, um, or, but what, are they, what is the Liberal policy actually policy? Like, what are they actually doing? They say we're going to hit them. How? The only thing they're doing is coasting on the stuff that happened under Labor. Yeah, I mean, I mean, their, their policy is essentially to set a target which you would have to actively work against to not be able to beat really. And and ironically, they're, they're struggling to, to be able to meet it, um, despite what Scott Morrison says. Certainly n- nothing in the government's own projections suggests that uh, they're about to reduce emissions by 26% below 2005 levels, and that's even including the nebulous land use figure and, you know, just... It's it's a dumb target. It should if you're going to do it, it needs to be at least forty five percent and not include land use. But even that aside, before we get to that, what at least the first sort of stage of climate change politics was an argument over reducing emissions. What we're seeing now from the government is and and from the conservative media is very much an attempt to make climate change policy a fight about adaptation and so that i think is a very dangerous thing because it's going to be one where the government is going to be saying look at us we're doing all this great stuff and when you realize what they're doing they're all they're doing is actually putting policies that are in a sense band-aids for a gushing you know wound to an artery you know well it assumes because part of their whole thing about oh this is the new normal if you're accepting if this Mm. line is also dangerous because it gets in people's heads oh well we're here now whereas of course climate change is a a process it's a it's an ongoing it's a continuum and where we are now is not where we'll be next year next year it'll be worse and the after that worse again like the band-aids you put in that are appropriate for 2020 are not going to be appropriate for 2025 like even even um, if it was fine, even if the idea of, sure, we're just going to keep burning fossil fuels, we're just going to destroy the planet, but that's fine because we humans have the technology to make it survivable. And we'll ignore the yeah. fact that um, that's even not, that, that would never be a, for the world's population, like huge millions, billions of people are going to die horribly. But th- their, their theory is that at least us rich people will be able to find a way to mitigate the effects and we'll have, you know, giant underground layers or whatever but like that even that assumes that it's still that a that they can do that that the technology will survive will enable them to live on a planet that when it becomes venus yeah. which it won't they no, we don't have that technology we won't develop that technology we will just all die but it's also even if they were right and it was possible they're still screwing over the rest of humanity and they're also screwing over themselves like what why do they think that their great-grandchildren want to live on a an arid um you know on fire dust ball as opposed to the planet that they inherited, where you could walk outside and breathe. Well, I, th- I think the the main reason is that despite their change in rhetoric, they still bizarrely 
don't think climate change is an actual thing. Um, I think the the government is filled to the brim with climate change deniers and that they're at the moment now just hoping that they can get away with saying, oh, no, I, I agree with the science, or they generally don't say they agree with the science. They'd say, I believe in climate change. It's not a belief yeah. system. They like to try and pretend that it's a... Although, weirdly, it won't be yeah. covered by their uh, religious um, privilege legislation. It would be nice. So they'd be like, hey, <laughs> hey, 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 it really offends me when you... Uh, when you criticise my belief in climate, rel- the climate religion, it'd be nice mm. if I was able, if we were able to do that and be like, no, you can't keep doing that because it's actually contrary to your own religious privilege act, and because I've now defined, decided it's a religion, but of course it's not. It's science. I mean, they, they they really they they just want to be able to get away with saying, oh yes, I agree with the science of climate change and not actually have to change anything. Well, because fundamentally, they are yeah. the Liberal Party are the party of the fossil fuel lobby. That's in, they, and they will screw over yeah. the rest of Australian business for it. Like they do, they can adapt so many policies that screw over ordinary. I mean, ignoring the, the in, this direct issue where they've completely burned the entire tourism industry. Like they've mm. been completely fucked because of the Liberals' slavish adherence yep. to the interests of the fossil fuel industry. But they'll screw over all the remainder of business. Like the business people who are voting for the Liberal Party are voting for a party that occasionally that goes with them when it's them against people but goes with the fossil fuel lobby against them whenever their interests conflict in the same way as the nationals will constantly pretend to be representing the farmers against like the city folk, but really they will yeah. represent the miners over the farmers every single time. And and Absolutely. we had that footage of, of um, McCormack being asked, when has he ever put the farmers ahead of the miners? And he couldn't think of any <laughs> examples at all. That's just shameless. It's kind of like, isn't it? Like it's the, the frog, if the analogy of the, you know, the, the clearly is the pertinent analogy for humanity of being the frog in the boiling water that's gradually getting hotter, mm. except they're the ones who are literally the, the lighting the flames and keep fueling the fa- flames underneath the water. And now the analogy of them having said, oh, okay, yeah, you're right, the water is getting a bit hotter. Okay, fine. You know, occasionally they'll admit that. Like, they're not, it's not even universal, but fine. Yeah. some of them will go, all right, yeah, yeah, no, we're the part that says, okay, yeah, it's getting hotter. And our solution is we'll blow a fan over you occasionally. Here, have a fan. Whilst continuing to turn up the heat. <laughs> like, Yeah, the, the, the admission is that, um, oh, it's getting hotter, but implicit with that is that, oh, well, there's nothing we can do, you know. And it's, Oh, yeah, it's, this particular climate target has nothing to do with, and under Scott Morrison, so this particular climate tar- policy under in the last year isn't specifically linked to this particular bushfire this year. Well, yeah. axing the, ca- the carbon price in 2013 is certainly linked to it, but isn't it fundamental? I guess, I want, can, I, can I attack, Greg, can I make a, okay, I'm going to tackle that whole thing and I tried to do it a little bit last week because we had Caleb Bond on the uh, sky with his idiotic what about China you know China's emissions are so much bigger <laughs> than ours and of course when they say that they don't turn around and be like yeah China's emissions are a problem what can we as Australia do about China's emissions mm. tell you what we can do we need to be the country that is out there sorry well let, let's go back to square one do we as Australians want to be able to breathe do we want to be able to live on this planet going forward do we want do we want to not feel guilty about the fact that we brought children into the world well <laughs> Do we want our children not having to be fitted out for masks, gas masks, so that they can breathe for increasing periods of the year? Cool. Then the only way we can do that is for the climate change to not get any worse. And maybe even, well, we, you know, the odds of us getting going backwards are slim, but okay, at least so that it doesn't get any worse. The only way that happens is if the world massively cuts ridic- its emissions right now, much tougher than Paris. Mm-hmm. No, Paris is nothing. Yep. But we need to be out there lobbying for drastic global cuts now. Now, that's... Not a thing that Australia does. Um, Australia, when, we, when we're like, oh, no, we can't do our part, we do our part the other way. We just work with Bolsonaro um, and we just work to help 
sabotage the recent climate talks. Like Australia is genu- goes out there and doesn't just you know not advocate effectively for change; it actually advocates f- effectively against change. Because again, we're the lobbyists yes. for the fo- fossil fuel industry. We're not actually lobbyists for Australian people. But yeah, okay, the world needs to make those cuts. We, I can't tell the American government what to do. I can't tell, but as an Australian citizen, I can put pressure on the Australian government to do this. And I would be putting pressure on the Australian government. I would think that we all need to be pushing pressure on the Australian government to be out there fighting for global emissions cuts, drastic global emissions cuts. How do we do that? Well, we can only do we can do, we we lobby harder in every every way that the Australian diplomatic corps can. We make deals. We make offerings. We offer to. There are lots of countries that have got emissions similar to ours or below. That altogether it added to what is like forty percent of the world's emissions or something. Mm, it's huge. Yep. We work on those. We we offer money. We offer trade deals. We lobby. We don't. We stop being the advocates for the fossil fuel industry. We start being the uh, people fighting against the fossil fuel industry. We fight hard for those targets. We fight. We we do everything we diplomatically can to persuade other countries. And yes, one giant part of that is going to be that we will have to stop being the highest per capita emitters in the world. We are going to have to cut our own emissions. And that will mean an effective policy like the carbon price was. And I did like, um, I did like uh, Malcolm Turnbull writing in Time this week about how he was he was thwarted in his real attempts to move, um, make action on climate change. And and I'm like, I'm pretty sure we can find the hand side where you've voted yeah. to axe the carbon price, which was working. But yeah, that we need to be. When the question is, what should our emissions targets be? How much should we reduce by? By enough that we have credibility to. St- Get persuade the rest of the world to reduce theirs dramatically. That's the test. Yeah, I think that's actually a good uh, way of putting it. And it's clear that it's not at the moment. And you're right. You know, we, we're demonstrating that we do have power at an international level when it comes to climate change. The problem is we're using that power for bad yeah. or good. I mean, it's 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 been abundantly clear that we are trying to submarine the whole process yeah. and. Um, you're right. The the question, whenever China and the USA come up, and that's certainly true, but they they are going to need to reduce their emissions. But what you know, the the last five months have shown, and have shown in a very stark way, is that Australia is at the pointy end of the impact of climate change. You know, we've we've been able to try and sort of. Uh, convince ourselves that oh no this is going to be more of a immediate problem for maybe pacific islanders or people in bangladesh or something it's like no climate our our climate is such a kind of bizarre one um given our population given our the aridness of our land is that we are really going to be affected much earlier than people in europe or America are going to be affected. And it's we should be out there as loud as you know, the Pacific Islanders. We should be a pain in the ass. We were. should be the country that says, yeah, okay, exactly. we were on the and wrong side. The good thing is, is as, as an extremely wealthy nation and actually as a mining uh, economy, we would have an incredible amount of weight if we actually had some, you know, proper targets and we were showing we you know if we still had a bloody price on carbon we could stand tall in any forum and essentially say look we're doing it our economy is actually more precariously um 
affected by these measures than yours. Why aren't you doing it? And actually start doing as, you know, we're even seeing from France sort of saying, well, we're not going to be signing any more free trade agreements with you until you start doing X, Y, and Z. Or, and that's certainly going to be something that we're going to see in the future. Nations and, and areas that are actually doing things, such as Europe, are going to say, well, stuff you, if you're not even going to be serious about this, we're going to, in effect, start putting tariffs on and, and things like that because they are not going to do all the lifting by themselves. Yeah, right. And, you know, it's, it's, it is such a shame. This The whole thing is, it is such a shame because... We had it in place by now. The car, if if the the carbon price brought in by the Gillard government with the Greens and the Independents, if that was still in place now, it would, you know, the the price on carbon I think would be around thirty five bucks a ton. It was a bit more. It was like thirty seven um, eight or something. It was it was enough that it was yeah something around yeah. there, around there. But you know, farmers would be able to access that and would be trading. You know, the, the, our economy would have almost been uh you know it'd be seven or eight years now there would have been great adjustments done oh yeah but hang on but greg investment would be flowing but think how much think, nice. but remember the, the massive cuts in electricity prices we got when they axed the tax do you remember that extra yeah. you know how cheap electricity yeah. is now that because they got rid of the carbon tax yeah, yeah i mean at least we got that didn't we we got those cheap energy prices <laughs> that we're all enjoying right now <laughs> thanks tony yeah uh, it's it's Certainly, you could argue that the the carbon price, you know, wasn't enough, or you know, all that. But Christ, it was just such a great start, and it gave the ability for the economy to, you know, actually get to a place that that it needs to be. And the damage that has been done is not just the the time lost, you know, the the period since the axing. It is the actual time it will take to get back to where we were when it was axed and also the fact that because in that period temperatures have gone up and various things the 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 more effort that needs to be done it it, it is without a doubt the the worst crime in australian politics Pretty much since Federation, you know, was the axing of the of the, the carbon price. I mean, I mean, to be fair, the Libs have done lots of shitty things with it. Like the the fact that the uh, NDIs has now leave it left like twelve hundred people to die on waiting lists, and what they did oh, to the yeah, NDA, like I mean, they have fucked know. up lots of things. But I think you're right, and and you're and and the point that it's now going. The longer we've left it, the now we're hitting all these tipping points. So the the smoke from the bushfires, the, the amount of carbon that's been released as a result of the, the bushfires mm. being like 100 times the nation's emissions or whatever it is, it's, it's we, as a result of the climate change, we're now making climate change worse. It's like you, you um, the glaciers in New, New Zealand that uh, are now absorbing more heat because of the ash or whatever it was. It's like the, <laughs> the permafrost melting that releases a whole lot more carbon. We hit all these topic tipping points where because we've let it get there, it, it accelerates, and yeah. now in order to not all die, and I think we've now, I th I'm really hoping that we can seize the moment and not let Morrison fudge it, and not let him redirect mm. us into the, there's nothing we can do about it. No, no, the only people telling us that you can't do anything about it are the people who just want to burn fossil fuels till we all die. Yep. They are only, uh, it is entirely selfish. The entire pitch is there is a fossil fuel industry that makes lots of money out of the status quo, um, capitalism doesn't enable them to 
consider how they can um, that it's better for them to shut down and develop into other industries or something. It just simply is like they their their businesses are based on lobbying the government and giving them and and getting the government to just keep advocating for their the the interests of these inanimate like these. They're just, it's just, they're just companies. They're not, they won't, they don't give a shit when mm. the world dies. They will just sort of shut down like any other company. They don't care about whether human beings manage to survive on the planet or not. They are going to drive us into a hellscape. Where, I mean, you're in Canberra, aren't you? Yeah. Like, how many days? We've, we've had a couple of days with the gas masks where at least they weren't so long that we could, couldn't open the windows when it went away and then let the oh. air in. But you've had like weeks and weeks of it, haven't you? Where you can't. Yeah. You, what have you got? Like, no, where, it's, it's, it's been. I mean, you should not be living in a in a city where air purifiers are sold out, you know, because and, and you know it's it's like this morning again. I, I look out the window and and it, it looks like a fog, but which we certainly get in camera, but it's not fog. It's it's smoke. You can't see. You know, I, I, it's just horrendous, and it's been ongoing. And, the, and this is, again, this is why I, I get back to this. This is a sinister point in the narrative because, and the reason why it's sinister is because mm. it fits into what is essentially positive talk about things we're doing. And even though, you know, it's not positive, clearly, but the government will be talking about things that are good, but people go, oh, look at all what they're doing. At least they're not making electricity more expensive or putting on a big tax. They're doing stuff. And unless the, the media and the government, uh, sorry, the opposition, uh, obviously, hold, them, hold their feet to the fire over the fact that, no, you're not actually doing anything, they're going to get away with it. And my, my worry is, is that adaptation type policies kind of fit in with the traditional media model of oh we can analyze policies because it's very difficult to as you know one of the problems with with climate change is when you talk about cutting emissions it, it is very difficult to actually outline the costs of it like how much is it going to cost to reduce emissions by 45% as opposed to 26%? And is it going to be more if we do it through this method as opposed to, you know, it's, there's a lot of moving, there's a lot of moving parts. But if you are just talking about, oh, adaptation, but then we can just look at, oh, we're spending $10 million on X, we're spending $1 billion over 10 years on, on Y. And it's very easy for journalists to just fall into the old, oh, this is what this party's doing, what are you doing in response? And within all that noise gets missed the fact that actually we're not actually doing anything on the problem. We're just doing on, we're dealing with the fact that we're not dealing with the problem. And that is my big worry, that the government is putting all its effort right this moment into shifting what it means to deal with climate change. In the past, it has been Dealing with climate change means dealing with emissions and they've been trying to convince us that what they're doing is enough, which is clearly is not. So now the, the shift is that when you talk, when parties talk about dealing with climate change, you should be asking them what are they doing with adaptation and resilience. And that is a terrible, terrible state 
to us to get to and we have to fight like hell to make sure it doesn't happen. And I saw the um, interview where, where Tony Burke was being um, interviewed. I think it was on ABC Breakfast or whatever whatever it was. And she's, she's doing that. She's asking him, yeah. uh, what, what's it cost? What's your, what's your mission? What, you know, what's your different number? What? And and Burke is just like, well, you know, we're the opposition. It's not, not up to us. You should be, you know, we're, we're there to hold the government to account. Surely Labor, if it doesn't want to be hammered on this, needs to be able to turn around to the government and, or turn around to interviewers like that and say, hang on, what's the precise cost of, the, of uh, in terms of, if we keep down going down this trajectory right now, where it's getting worse every year, mm. what's the cost to the Australian economy in 2025 of even worse bushfires? What's the cost to the Australian economy in 2025 of even longer heat, heat waves, longer droughts? You do, when we were talking about this, when we brought in our carbon price in 2010, 10 years ago, and you were saying, yeah. oh, it costs this much. Well, we didn't have the exact numbers for tw- how much it's going to cost in 2020 when, when the country burns down. But look, it's burning down. You need to, The problem is that humans are really bad at giving exact numbers for what the costs are going to be of inaction in relation to something as complex as climate. But we can see right now what the compl- consequences are of climate change, the Prime Minister concedes that climate change is connected to this. Cool. Well, well, we need to be talking about what the cost is of letting it keep getting worse. And when do you, when are you going to turn to the Prime Minister and ask him, what's the cost to all of these industries, everything from tourism to, I don't know, pretty much any industry that requires human beings to be outside in the air and be able to breathe? Yeah. What are the costs to the Australian economy, let alone to quality of life and to people's actual lives when lost in bushfires? What are the costs of... Simply going, we'll put on some band-aids now. We'll we'll look at what the problem is in 2020 and try and mitigate against that now and to hell with what happens in 2025, 2030. I I mean, Labor needs to be out there. And and I guess in terms of what we as citizens can do, we need to be ringing out the, the MPs. We need to be all saying to them, no, this is not good enough. Mitigation is not good enough because all of your mitigation doesn't deal with the problem of the climate becoming less hospitable. We've got um, food prices skyrocketing because, I mean, God, Australia, Australia, the country of Australia, for, um, what was it, nine days over the New Year's period, you couldn't get from South Australia to Western Australia. Yeah. That bar- the, the, the fundamental sort of freight artery across the country was shut because of fires. What's the economic cost of that? Yeah. All of this nonsense about the economic cost of reigning in some of those other industries, well, look at the industries that are being, everything else that's being massively harmed in order to pander to that tiny, you know, the tiny thousand jobs for a bloody Adani. Yeah. That, you know, a, a thousand jobs, they, Adani says. Well, how many jobs are being lost as a result of these bushfires? Vastly more. How many are going to be lost in 2030 as a result of the bushfires that are exacerbated by the fact that Australia didn't lobby the rest of the world because we were busy opening new bloody coal mines for Adani and it was therefore our job to go out and lobby for them on the international stage and to reduce emissions targets because otherwise Adani wouldn't be worth so much and we wouldn't get as many royalties out of them. Yeah, I mean, our, our tourism industry is... The, the main marketing for Australia at the moment in America and, and Europe is that we're on fire. <laughs> that ain't great for tourism. <laughs> Do you see that, that, that the triumphant, there was a triumphant Daily Telegraph headline this week about ScoMo getting Trump to agree to reduce the war, travel warning for Americans coming to Australia. That was their yeah. best spin for, for ScoMo this week. I know. You know, he, he talked to Trump and, and tried to persuade more Americans to come to this, this shithole that's on fire. But, you know, keep in mind yeah. that a week ago he was telling people to go to Kangaroo Island before it caught on fire again. Like, while it was on fire and then before it got worse. Like, come to Kangaroo Island. Because, again, he doesn't care. If he cares about anything, it'll be, like, the business interests. He doesn't care about, the, the you know, the people yeah. who might. He wants American tourists to come out here and have a miserable time. He doesn't care. 
as long as they get here. And and presumably Trump doesn't give a shit either. So, but yeah, exactly right. I mean, the, you, you're right that, I mean, Labor certainly does have to come up with a better answer. Um, and we need to push I mean, them to. The, we need the, to push the, them to. Well, the problem for, for Labor is that they, they have to realise that Australian media is by and large terrible. <laughs> And you, you kind of have to live in that environment that you know that they're going to ask questions that are actually irrelevant, such as, you know, or what is the cost and everything. Oh, yeah. But, but they need to be able to hit back and they need to be able to say, you know. Yeah, they do. They do need to be able to hit back. How many people have had their kids fitted out for gas masks recently? Well, I think part part of that as well is Labor to actually just say, well, we're our policies for 45% reductions by 2030 and zero emission net emissions by 2050 and any sort of uh you know they really have to hammer though the the whenever you're talking about the cost is what is the cost of not doing anything and and that was something that uh you know because because clearly the costs of uh of climate change vastly outweigh the cost of acting on climate change but the longer you wait the closer those costs get because the longer you wait, well, it becomes futile eventually. Possible it becomes. Yeah. So it's it's. Well, can I can I suggest that yeah. can I suggest that Labor can, needs to slightly pivot, not just be on our reductions, but put that as the secondary thing. Put it on Australia is suffering as a result of climate change. We are on the pointy end, as we've all just seen. Australia, we need a government that will go out there on the world stage and fight for global action, tougher global action. We're going to be the country that goes out there and fights for change. It undermines all of the lines about what about China, what about America, because it's taking it yeah, head on. I think that's a good idea. It's like we're going to be out there doing fighting for that. And, yes, as part of that, we're going to have to do our part. And it's very hard for, for Scummo to be like, we can't do that, whilst also simultaneously cl- trying to claim that we are doing our part. But, but the bottom line yeah. is we all know we're not doing our part, which is why Australia would be laughed out of the room if we turned around to China and said you need to reduce your emissions because we yeah. all know we're producing three times more per capita than they are. Like, the bottom line is we need to be doing a better job than China in order to persuade China. But, yes, I'm saying that I, what I'm suggesting is that, yes, if Labor needs an angle to pitch, it needs to be this is the time. Children in gas masks, hell, pick that as your line. Children in gas masks is the point at which Australia turns around and says, no, we need to be on the side that's pushing for real action. We need to be on the side that is advocating to other countries. We need to be doing everything in our power as a nation, using every bit of the diplomatic power we have to be putting pressure on every other nation. We need to be the one that the world turns to and says, whatever happened, Australia fought very hard to to save us from this future and to... And and we might win. It's not going to be an easy fight. But if you don't want your kids and your grandkids, if you don't want your kids to be being in gas masks to be the best, the happiest part of this story, if that if that's not going to be the best case scenario, mm. if you wanted to have to have a different future for your kids, then Australia needs to be the country out there fighting, and that is not happening out of this government. And that's what we will be doing. Yeah. And that's your pitch. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's a that's a good one. I mean, the, the government really needs to be suffering um on the issue of what are you actually doing on the international stage that that really needs to be something that uh, is hurting them mm. um and you're right the, for that to occur labor need to make that a big issue um and make it sort of you know you can use whatever words you want about practical solutions and blah 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 but you know it is that thing of we are uniquely placed among the world in that we're wealthy enough but we're also suffering more than others 
it's our job, it's our responsibility to fight for future generations. You know, this is, this is, a, we kind of have to make it into a, a it has to be a fight, you know. Well, we, it's an existential we issue. We, be, if we give up now, we're all dead. Like, yeah. we're all screwed. Like, yeah. this is, we, we can all see now well, what our well, future what is. what will happen, it, you know, in the long run, we're all dead. But what's going to happen, and this is why the Liberal Party love it, is that uh, the the damage will not be uniformly distributed. No. And they will be able to protect themselves and their, you know, supporters, or at least their wealthy supporters. And, you know, you're right. Labor need to make this into a, a bigger issue than just arguing over percentage percentages it needs to be a huge fight not just you know seem like this is just arguing over who's spending the most money or or doing even even the most cuts it needs to be that real sense of of harnessing what everyone already knows and that is that the liberal party is not doing and doesn't care about any real action on climate change. No, they think they'll be able to sit there in their compounds yeah. with uh, whatever technology is required to keep them alive as the rest of us on the you know other side of the, those those huge walls die and perish and like and and and, and you know you have the short term version of that right now with a bunch of their boomer supporters who are like well they own their own homes their homes are fully mm. insulated they um they probably got solar panels that we've uh, subsidized so they're probably not even suffering on electricity prices they've got energy efficient um uh, air conditioners now they'll have energy efficient air filters mm. they will be able to insulate themselves from the consequences far more than the poor in shitty rental yeah. houses that are um you know that, that are not insulated that have very expensive air conditioners if anything from the 70s or no air conditioning at all that's a um like you're right you even see a on a microcosm of that now but but a lot of labor yep. support a lot of people who are still voting for the libs are on they they're not the rich people they're not going to they're, they're also going to be screwed as the climate gets worse and worse and they they need to have labor pointing out to them you know and so and even if you were able to hide behind the walls like i mean even does anybody really want the planet to become a, a place yeah. where you why would you want to be wishing that <laughs> they're mad so yeah. I, look i think we all need to be writing to our local mps we need to be coming but we all need to be calling out in fact talk to your local labor people and be like get out there in front and talk about how you would be fighting on the world stage yeah yeah there needs to be a positive a positive message of what they would be doing and making it you know seem the fact that the government is not doing that has to be something that hurts them and you, you think it would even work like in all of the things that labor struggles with like like racism and xenophobia and all the stuff where people are like you know just hell with the foreigners and stuff taking the fight to the foreigners is even something that labor could sell on that basis like even yeah. to those people all the people who are like what about the risk what are they doing what about china yeah this would be we're gonna fight for we're gonna fight for for you in that arena, yeah, like exactly because I mean the Liberal Party's at the moment their position is oh well China aren't doing anything so with stuff it's like well hang on if Labor can be seen to be we're actually going to be active on this front we've we've got you know a policy to deal with this and to take the fight to them then that is something that I think can be quite persuasive and it sure as heck is a lot more. Um, you know, it, it's it's a lot more inspiring than than just going. Oh well, we're just you know, the, the whole one point three percent bullshit argument. Um, 
is such an uninspiring, deadening argument that if you've got someone who's going, actually, no, we, we're going to fight because we are the ones suffering. Uh, you know, we do not want this to be what our children are dealing with in the future and we're going to, you know, stand up and and take this to the world. I mean, that's something that you can, you know, you want to get behind and it's sure as hell is a lot more inspiring than, oh, well, we we done our bit and we're all, you know, it's... Ugh. Well, did you see? Did you see so, James Rains did a um, bunch of images of if the Liberal Party approached the First World War like they approached climate change? <laughs> yes, I uh, did. Yeah. Like, Australia. So it's unlike the actual posters, just slightly changed from the First World yeah. War. Australia has promised Britain fifty thousand more men, but there are eleven million German troops. So why should we bother? Uh, yeah, boys. Stay- oh, my my favourite was that uh, we don't have to send any troops because we're owed. Yeah, no, um, relax. Credits from the Boer yeah, War. Relax. We have carryover <laughs> credits from the Boer War. Um, a call from the Dardanelles. Cooey. Let's wait a few years and see what other nations are prepared to commit to first. In this yeah. later, maybe. Boys, stay home. After all, we've only we only produce a p- tiny percentage of the world's soldiers. Very yeah. good. I mean, you're right. The 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 sort of the intrinsic thing behind the, those posters and the, the parody of them is that actually climate change could be a very nationalistic issue. You know, it's something that Australians should get really shitty with other nations about, and you know, should be proud of what we're doing and be very demanding of other nations in in the same way Australia often does think that we're the best and we're, you know, other nations are in our wake in in various issues. And we like to think that Australia is is the world leader and is the best. And it's so... As opposed to being a joke, like a laughing stock of those at the end of last year. I think it is something that we can really tap into, and I think it, you're right. It's, it's something that we haven't. Well, like last year we last year when we were going over there and sabotaging that, that, those climate conferences while oh. the country was on fire, and the rest of the world's looking at it like, yeah. who are these lemmings, these suckers, these idiots? Yeah, no, it's it's. I mean, it's the the frustrating thing with climate change is the politics is that you you feel like it's all there to be one, and one we've got a media that just doesn't deal with it in any proper way uh but also i think the the labor party and and the greens as well they they haven't really been able to tap into that you know that nationalistic that sort of that fervor that this is something that needs to be done and it if you love australia you really should be a massive proponent for action on climate change because you want australia to remain as it is now, you don't want to lose what you love about Australia, and you can see. Do you remember when we had wildlife? This, this past five months, we we lost things. You know, we lost a summer. We lost the summer holidays. I mean, seriously, we also lost half. Like, what was that? <laughs> half a billion animals. Uh, huge yeah, wildlife we lost diversity. Animals. We're losing. You know, you know, koalas. I mean, the 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 horrible thing about uh, Kangaroo Island is that basically Kangaroo Island was used as a as a a safety zone for koalas with chlamydia, you know, from chlamydia. It was basically being used as a, a place to try and save the population. And, you know, that is the big, I think, something that, that can be sold, and certainly because it's true, is that climate change is going to take away what you think of when you think of australia also yeah. also being able to breathe outside and, and in your home so that's i mean yeah. that's a that's well, important I mean, thing you know, that, that's that's 
I mean, yeah, I'm not talking about, you know, what is the important thing. I'm talking about what is what is sort of something that you can use in a campaign. And it's something that you don't really see, this sense that climate change is actually something that Australians, because of where we are and our climate and our habitat and our everything, is that actually something that Australians should be passionate about as Australians. It's Instead, it's always reduced to this, I think, fairly abstract sort of knowledge about, oh, you know, what can we do? We're a small nation. It's like, we're bloody Australians. Let's get out there and fight for this because it matters to us, you know. And I think there is, I think there's real scope there. Yeah, I do think, and let's wind it up. I wanted to quickly just say in relation to how Labor needs, when when Labor does take that on, obviously they're going to have to um, burn the, the, fossil industry in Queensland, um, but surely they can do that in the interests of the tourism industry in Queensland. Like there's other yeah. industries in Queensland apart from the fossil industry. Yeah. And then surely at this point we're going to start to see, and then you'll be able to say, look, we need to, it's not ideal having to, you know, move jobs, but it's, you know, if we don't do something about it, you know, where are we going to put all the people who previously worked in tourism? They, they're going to lose their jobs. And in relation to, I think I think the other point you I think that, that you're making in relation to, this losing what's special about Australia, and you're right, and that is even a thing that can can get to the people who are currently insulated because they have the mm. you know the the, the expensive air filtered uh, air conditioned nice, nice homes, and they can personally insulate themselves from the direct personal effects. But even those people, that's right, they've grown up in a country where they've taken pride in the the wondrous natural fauna and flora and, and the beauty of the country, and they're going to that they can't lock all that inside their climate controlled home. That's that once no, that's gone, that's I mean, gone. The Great Barrier Reef uh, isn't going to be saved by an, an air purifier. No. <laughs> you know, it's, and you know, I uh, just I mean, imagine Australia without the Great Barrier Reef. I mean, imagine the world without it. But you know, well, we're perilously close there right now, it, aren't we? I don't. Do we yeah, even still have it? It's it is such a incredible. You know, it's it's one of those things where we have that that. Rather illogical, but you know, a, a lot of sort of patriotism and is illogical. But it's a sense of when you're growing up and you, oh, you know, the Great Barrier Reef can be seen from outer space. It's it's a sense of yeah, and it's Australian. You know, you you kind of get that pride in the fact that our reef's better than any other reef. You know, yeah. it's bigger and it's you know, it's and it's. I think there is something with that and climate change that really can be tapped into this. And we've seen it even just on a small sense um, today with a number of the front pages where they're, they're talking about the, the prehistoric forests in, in New South Wales that have been saved. This real And this sort of pride that we saved this. It's There is this real sense of Australians love the fact that we are different to the rest. We've got, you know, snakes and we've got, things that kill them, you know, and our, we are a, we're not a carbon copy of Europe and America. Our country is different. We're unique. And it's that sense of, well, let's fight for that because climate change is going to take that away quicker than it will take the things that make us similar to Europe, you know, and it's, it, I think there is a real sort of ability to make this a, you know, basically use what the conservatives use when they use nationalism, but for bad things such as going off to fight for wars uh, and, you know, talking about sort of exports and things. It's, it's 
this is something I think that the progressive movement, certainly the environmentalist movement, can use. That, that sort of sense of Australians getting angry about the fact that our country is getting taken away from us because other countries aren't acting and so we're going to get out there and do something about yeah. it. I think that's, that's a, that, I think that is a really potent um, argument to, to make. All right. Well, every, everybody who knows somebody from the ALP and the Greens and the media, <laughs> that, get that message out there. Do everything we can. Like, bring up your local MP, make that point. Like, the the quicker we get – and that's one of the things. Like, one, now that we're – having to put gas masks on children, we don't have any more time. And every every year yeah. that, that uh, it gets worse, is it will be even harder. The, the even stricter, yeah. tougher cuts are going to be necessary. The longer we leave it, and up until the point where it becomes completely futile and we're all dead, we're not there yet. If humans vanish from the earth tomorrow, like in a you know life after people sort of sense, yeah, the climate would probably come back because we would immediately stop burning coal. Mm. Like... There are things that we are doing. Like, it's not like, you know, if humans disappeared, the, the planet wouldn't be able to come back to, a, to the equilibrium it was before. It would come back remarkably quickly if we all disappeared now. But the longer we leave it, it's going to be, that. then it's that's not going to be the case. But we can, and the world can, but it has to be on a global stage. We can be massively cutting the emissions and getting back to a stage where we go back to the equilibrium we previously enjoyed. Um so yep. yes, every, everything you can do to talk to the and be basically <laughs> making that point. The only way that we don't don't die horribly going forward, uh, in in and have this and worse every year from now on, is for Australia to be fighting on the world stage, and that is a thing that we should yep. be able to do, that we should be pushing our politicians to do, and that we shouldn't let up on them until they are doing. Yep. Greg, thank you so much for coming back. No problems, Jeremy. Lovely having you on the podcast. Are you anything you particularly want to plug or link people to? Um, just uh, Guardian Australia. Keep reading and subscribe if you. Uh if you are able to, if uh, which I know is, is always tough, but uh, we certainly do appreciate all our subscribers. Uh, it's it's a, a unique model for for media in Australia, but it's, it's one that uh, has been successful. I think it's successful because uh, I certainly know everyone who works for Guardian really feels like our readers are part of a, a basically a bit of a family, and so we, we really do appreciate that. But, Imagine uh, not having to send it like uh, a company-wide email uh, in order to do things, <laughs> you know, to, to regain your functioning conscience again, like if you worked for news. Yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, um, people occasionally I get uh, sort of comments from journalists uh, saying, oh, it's easy for you to argue that you work for Guardian. I say, well, it's no accident I work for Guardian. I, I, you know, it's not like I was forced to do it, you know. Yeah, they're like, what, but what can I do? Like, stop working for an evil yeah. company for money? Exactly. So, yeah. And I know, well, yeah, we're glad that you're there. I might also say thank you to our Patreon subscribers. We thanked you all by name last week, but I'm also going to thank two new Patreon subscribers, Brant and Setimo Kernatella. Thank you very much for coming on board. We very much appreciate all your support and uh, it is you know, very much how we can keep going in the podcast. Uh, thank you, Robin Gray, for the music. Thank you, Alex Lum, for the artwork. Thank you, everybody who's left a positive review on the iTunes. And we will look forward to seeing you all next week. See you. Bye.